This week's episode is brought to you by the Talk Buster podcast. Every episode, Chris Chipman and a guest reminisce of their time working for Blockbuster. Now, even if you've never worked for a Blockbuster, I guarantee you'll find the stories both hilarious and relatable. One of my personal favorite stories was when he had a guest retelling his time of working at a porn shop the day before Christmas when they were just packed to the gills. So, listen to the Talk Buster podcast on all your favorite platforms today. Welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this The Darkest Timeline. I'm Lord Commander Orc, and with me as always is... His shield brother, Axel Wright. How's it going today, man? It's actually rather well. Uh, I might sound different to you and to anyone else listening, because I'm currently... I don't have my uh, my normal Yeti microphone. I am... Uh, let's just say I'm indisposed currently, uh, so I'm using my regular, uh, like my wireless headset, and there might be some clicking and other sounds in the background because of the environment I'm in. Don't worry about it; it's all good. I'm having a good time, and I'm safe. How are you? Wondering if the clicking are going to be predator sounds, and if I should be worried. Well, my f- that's my text tone, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why. See, how am I going to know if you're ever being hunted? Oh wait, it's you. You're not going to be hunted by the predator. Yeah. You know, I know that you meant to insult me, but eh, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got a special episode ahead for you guys, but let's start, before we get there, let's start the same way we start every episode, by thanking the wonderful people that make this possible. They are our patrons. Pam Galley, Marky, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, Reedy, Arthur Crane, Kevin Vahey, Brendan Agnew, and John Vinnels. Every time we get a new one, they have a strange name and they don't give me a pronunciation guide. And if we pronounce your names wrong, just tell us. We're, we're sorry. <laughs> yeah. Now, if you'd like to join that illustrious legion, just head on over to patreon.com forward slash geeks with shields. 25 cents an episode gets you all sorts of wonderful bonus content, gets your name set on the podcast, and most importantly, it makes it possible that we can keep getting great guests and producing this podcast week to week. Speaking of great guests, I'm going to turn it over to our guest this week. Hey, everyone. It's uh, Bert Jennings here. All right, well, why don't you tell us a bit more about, or tell them a bit more about what you do? <laughs> sure, yeah. So, uh, let's see. I'm a narrative director at a video game studio, which means I basically just write a bunch of emails all day long. Probably have seen me doing RPGs around different places like Geek and Sundry or Hyper RPG. And, uh, yeah, I've been a Warhammer player. I'm a new member to the Warhammer community. I think I started playing about two years ago, a year and a half ago. And uh, I have fallen deeply in love with it. It, ah. it's a wonderful setting so you're not you're not, pretty awesome. you're not that much of a different level than me for instance so okay cool some elric has a little bit of seniority on me so that sometimes can flavor our conversations so, yeah sure. and for uh those of you keeping track at home axel finally took the plunge into starting an orc army hey we will talk about that more at the end in my recommendation so <laughs> all right so real quick if you're new to the show what this is this is our 40k talk where we you know get a member of the community that we think you should be following have them come on and talk about their army their faction their whatever and basically just provide you another great member of the 40k community because sometimes it feels like the bad ones are louder than the good ones and that's why we particularly wanted this topic for today because we're talking about a faction which gets Let's just say it's controversial, to put it lightly. Yeah. yeah. No one likes the, the Xenos, but the Tau really... The Tau Empire. They, they, we get it pretty rough, man. Uh, I think a lot of it is merited, though, uh, for the most well, part. Well, I will but... say... But, um, and you correct me if I'm wrong, since... I Okay, I've only played one actual game against the Tau player, and I already got to kind of experience this. But my impression is that a lot of the, the, the anger aim towards the Tau is that on the tabletop, generally it's nice to have this kind of like varied army where you can have different fronts doing different kind of things and have different armies that do different things. But the Tau, who are terrible at melee, but really, really good at shooting and really, really good at keeping other things away from their melee range, force other players to play their game and only their game. And apparently that frustrates people. Yeah, yeah, I can understand that. I think, yeah, it's definitely, that's, the the thing is, like, I play a lot of games. Well, I play most of my games for fun. Obviously, I want to win because that's an added bonus. But I the the misconception I think, unfortunately, with the Tau is there actually is a lot of variability. There's a lot of cool things that you can do with them. However, I think the standard move is, like you said, it's just cool. I'm going to keep you at a long distance. I'm going to put as much uh, 
as many shots in you as I possibly can. And I'm also kind of fast, so I'm just going to stay away. Uh, or I'm just going to move at you with a giant gun line and then just, you know, overwhelming ranks of fire, which is which I can absolutely see as being super annoying. But I the beauty of Tau to me is there actually is a lot of variables that var- variations of army tactics you can use. You just I just don't think you see them because it's a lot easier to throw, you know, three riptides down on the table and just uh, move them around and keep them alive. Well, yeah. Bruce, so, you know, in, in our format, generally, we have both people listening who are uh, actual already fans of Warhammer. Ulrich has made a, a point about courting them. But we also have <laughs> a number of people listening who are either very new to Warhammer or we're just kind of getting them into it. So we kind of like to do maybe a, like a lot of kind of overview. So before sure. we get to more of the nitty gritty of like units and stuff, why don't you give us from your perspective a kind of lore top view of who the Tau are, what they're about, what's cool about them, why someone might be drawn to them kind of thing. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I, I, I really, I'll speak from experience. I got in the Tau because when we were going through, it was me and a few of my friends were all were like, we're going to get into Warhammer together. Let's all pick different armies. And so I went into it completely blind, right? I had no clue of anything, but I'm a big lore guy. So I kind of really dive into books and all the expanded materials. And the Tau Empire is a collection of different species. So right off the bat, I was very intrigued because I'm going to see not just, you know, oh, it's all humans or it's all Necrons or it's all different orcs, right? It's This is a collection. They're a collection, a federation of of different species, which immediately I'm like, oh, that's really cool because I can have, you know, a lot of variation with what I'm painting and purchasing and what have you. Um, And what really got me into it is the fact that from like a lore standpoint, they are very open to accepting people into this Tau Empire, right? So you could you could join the Tau Empire, and that's kind of their whole shtick, is they go around and they're like, yeah, you want to be part of us? That's great. So for me, I thought, oh, so this is like a version. I'm a big sci-fi fan, so what drew me to them was, oh, they're like the Covenant from Halo, where they're like a conglomeration of different species, but like they're kind of good, sort of. Way- so like. The deep for anyone listening, the deeper you read into them, the the specific comparison to the covenant mm-hmm. makes even more sense. <laughs> it, it makes a lot of sense. No, and it's great because so like immediately I'm like, oh, all right, cool, I'm into this. I can like I can I can have all these different species. And their whole mindset is, and I I think it's the the sound clip of uh, the Tao as uh, a faction is for the greater good, right? Their whole mentality is. You know, everything is working for the Empire. Uh, we're all trying to do whatever we can for the greater good. The concept of a sacrifice for this this thing that is beyond all of us. We are more than the sum of all of our parts. So for me, I was like, oh, this is kind of cool, too. I can get into this. This is, like, interesting. And you, you still have the same kind of ferverness that you see in, you know, some of the other factions. But it's just for this idea of, like, we're all, we're all in this together. So as somebody who normally actually goes for all of the quote-unquote, like, bad guys in in games, I was like, oh, I'll, I'll do something different. And uh, the more and more I dived into it, the more I was like, oh, this is, like, you know, there is still that grim darkness to this faction. Um, you know, some things that are, like, even though it's, you know, altruistic, but they're all for the greater good, they are a caste system. So they have different, very distinct castes. So, uh, you know, the Tau is broken into fire, earth, water, air, and the ethereals. So each of these castes has, like, a specific function that works for the empire for the greater good so the fire cast is your warriors they are a little bit stockier they're a little bit more of the people that you're going to see in all of your models as they're in the front lines fighting you have the Uh, the base tower race look kind of like shorter blue bald people Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> shorter <laughs> blue ball people with no noses, uh, yeah. which is the interesting thing. They they have like these weird, um, like a flap in their forehead, and that's kind of where their nose is. Yeah, they're kind of a fish people from a lot of descriptions. But uh, for, do not Google Tau fan art with your safe search <laughs> off, just for the love oh, of God. Oh, also, another thing, for, before we get farther into to this, yeah. is, it's also important to know, at least I think, that one of the coolest things about the Tau, conceptually, anyway, from just a lore perspective, is that when the Tau were first encountered in the Imperium, because mm-hmm. Warhammer 40k, right, takes place in the, the 41st millennium, back in the, I want to say it was the 34th millennium, yep. uh, their, you know, an Imperial ship was just, you know, flying around, came across this planet, oh, hey, look, there's this extremely primitive race of aliens living in caves, and normally the Imperium would be like, all right, let's exterminate the race and start colonizing the planet. But crazy warp storm showed up due to 
some other giant events that were going on with the Eldar and the Chaos and stuff that we don't need to go into, but those warp storms lasted for like 6,000 years, and yeah. at the end of 6,000 years, suddenly there was a huge freaking Tau Empire. Now that's important to note because the amount of time, that amount of time is extremely short in Warhammer 40k. Like yeah. it took humanity like 12,000 years to get to the same point. <laughs> as yeah, they took and banging rocks together to plasma cannons. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you guys bring up a very good point of like, it's a very short time period. They became, uh, you know, they're, they are a emerging empire within like the context of the greater um space of the warhammer 40k universe but the amount of progress they made in that short time is like phenomenal like they are one of the i think the only faction no i i can't actually know this for sure they are a faction that has developed faster than like technology without using the warp because they themselves don't really register on the warp uh you can call them i guess soulless then but uh they don't register well, they still the warp. Have psychers, so <laughs> yeah and they don't have psychers which is another like interesting weird answer. thing yeah it, it's it's a great bit of lore that everyone you know has some impact in the warp I, tower just like there's something there but not really i do believe tau have the the fastest non we go into some other dimension mode yes. of travel because eldar use their webways and most everyone goes through the warp necron don't even have like ftl tech. they just slowly drift yeah we'll get there eventually guys <laughs> but it's a really interesting so that the tech the tech aspect you hit on a on a, i think a core pillar of the tau which is technology they are in a universe where humanity is literally forgetting how to build things and and losing technology the Tau and the appeal of them was the fact that they're constantly advancing at this kind of very exponential. Um, yeah, pretty rate. much the Imperium's only got one person left who's advancing technology, and that's Belisarius Call. Outside of him, it's like, no, we're just gonna get old tech. The Tau are like actively, you know, researching. It's actually one of the things the Imperium finds the most dangerous because they're like, if they find out how to make true AI, they're gonna endanger the rest of us. <laughs> So. Yeah, yeah. The AI aspect is really interesting because AI plays a huge part in the Tau society. They have drones that are their the word from them is literally faithful helper, as they do a bunch of different functions. Obviously, they have combat functions in the game, but they they help with Tau society for every different aspect of it, which is interesting because exactly as you said, and that can probably be touched on later if uh, or if you already have. Humanity went through their own, uh, you know, kerfuffle with. AI and technology <laughs> and things. Yeah, yeah. I love that as a description for the, the whole war with the Yeah, it was, just yeah. Kind of it was a kerfuffle. And there's a there's a version of this with with the Tau because it's like another really interesting aspect of it is this this AI technology thing and you know they have a shorter life expectancy uh, than most other species in the universe. Granted, uh, I think everyone's life expectancy is dramatically decreased based off the fact that there's only war. But uh, unless you're Space Marine or like a Necron, you're you pretty. We, we talked about this in a previous episode, but the average lifespan of an Imperial Guardsman is like 15 hours. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, very accurate. But the Tau have this really cool ability where they can actually basically map out your brain. It's it's uh, like a singularity moment, right? Where they that. can, huh. uh, you know, map out your brain and then put it into things. So there are certain characters who have actually died. But, like, their AI brain kind of lives on in a battle suit. And so, like, it's interesting because you'll have characters who will... Then, then that suit will get destroyed, and then you do a backup of it. But uh, from a technological standpoint, they have some really cool stuff, which is definitely an appeal which brought me to them. And that's all primary Tau. Like, he mean, you mentioned that the, they're basically a federation or a covenant. And, uh, yeah. like, one of their primary vassal states or whatever you want to call it are, are called uh, the Kroot. Yeah. Which is a slave cast. Well, let's call it what it is. I well um that okay, that that gets into like Orwellian kind of stuff we can talk about later because the Kroot themselves are actually see like, you know, they're honorable and they have their own kind of yep. anyway, point is space dinosaurs. Yeah. Go <laughs> space space dinosaurs that have this amazing ability where Kroot Kroot they're like yeah they're like a they're like a lizard bird. Uh, they're some of the cooler models, as they're, again, a reason why I got into it. And they're one of the auxiliary species of the Tau. And they have this amazing, <laughs> very Warhammery uh, evolutionary mechanism where they can, if they eat something and they eat enough of it, they can assume properties from what they've digested. So in theory, right, if they're eating an orc uh, bodies, 
enough of them, they can start to like get bigger and bigger and bigger based I off thought, like kind of like crazy orc physiologies. Yeah, I thought though that orcs and uh, tyranids were the exception of that because orc spores and tyranid phage cells actually end up infecting Groot, so they have to deal with that. I thought that was the case. I, that, there is that, a list that, of things they can't eat, but I don't. Oh, well, I just I know like, I know in Dawn of I know in Dawn of War One, for example, when you beat the orcs with the the Tau, it, they make a mention of having to kill the crew that were involved before the the orc spores infect them. I, I don't know the reason, but <laughs> I mean, no, I'm that, assuming... that that could completely make sense, and I'm sure there are definitely things that they can't eat. Uh, I think it's Necrons, Chaos, and Tau are like the three banned things they're not allowed to use part of their covenant with the Tau. Yeah. Well, and they're also cannibals. That's the that's the best yep. part about Groot. <laughs> that, that too. <laughs> it's, it's totally okay for them to eat each other, and that's like a big thing. Is like, yeah, they eat the dead. It's a, you know, it's uh it is amazing to see the different line models of crew too, because they're they're you know these bipedal um, you know humanoid looking creatures, but they also have crude hounds, which are like they're dogs, and they have these giant like dinosaur monsters that they can fit guns onto, and like genetically, technically, they're all kind of the same thing, just evolved. So yeah, if you already like with, uh, ate too much orc and became a crutox, so they, they they made him a weapon of war. The <laughs> point is, the Tau allow you already to have both the super future tech uh, race and basically like caveman dinosaurs yes. in one army. It's true. And then, and then it's uh, is it Vespoids or Vespids? I don't remember. Vespids, Vespids. yeah. Vespids were one of the first. Uh, species, I believe, that the Tau actually uh, encountered that, like, came a part of uh, the Empire. The Vespids were kind of getting wrecked by orcs, and so the Tau kind of stepped in and, and helped them out. And Vespids are, like, wasp-like <laughs> things uh, that are... They kind of have these weird heads, and they fly they in... They kind of look like uh, uh, Venotians from, yeah. uh, from stores. Yeah, yeah. They're kind of like... Uh, yeah, yeah, Geonosians. That's what I meant. Yeah, I'd mix it. Yeah, exactly. The ones from Clone Wars. Yeah. Other people. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a great, great, great way to like kind of visualize what they look like, and they're cool, and they they're super fast, and they're a unit that you can bring onto the table, which is cool. I and again, want Games Workshop to expand the whole auxiliary yes. of the Tau because it's it's really unsupported. Like I know there was rumors of a Tau mercenary codex or a recruit codex there for a while that never saw well, the light of day, but there's also. I mean, there's also just humans, like mm -hmm. imperial uh, uh, people who have joined joined the Tau. They're actually filthy, filthy traitors. High, <laughs> high traitors, yeah. Yeah. The uh, the humans. I think they uh, the Gwei Gwei Law is what the the Tau word is for human, and then like Gwei Vesa is the term for the humans that have joined the uh, Tau Empire. And yeah, I would love to see models of them. There's a lot of cool stuff that you can see where people have taken Imperial Guard units and converted them. There actually are some Psyker um, species within the Empire, and I was really thinking that the whole Psychic Awakening was going to give us an opportunity to, to get some of those models, just so that I can have something on the table that can counter uh, Psykers, but... Yeah. <laughs> they don't have anything right now that can counter Psykers, do they? Yeah, no, we just get wrecked. <laughs> oh, man. No, I, I really want... Like, I was on I was the same boat when I saw Psychic Awakening, like, oh, cool, they're going to find some way to give Tau something because that's like the big strength of the tau empire is okay we aren't very good at fighting in close combat so we're gonna bring the crude on with us yep so it would make sense of we don't have psychics psychers so let's get some humans in here and do that and yep. that would be like fun more of them figuring out warp like okay his head exploded what what went wrong <laughs> there yeah well, well it's also and, another uh, lore fun thing for I, I imagine for people who are like picking the, the Tau is that the Tau are basically the only race in Warhammer that will encounter a planet and be like, hey, we're gonna give you the option yeah. to join us. We're, we're gonna talk with you before yeah, we option. attack you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and again, that was like what kind of drew me to them was like they have the water cast, which is like their diplomat. So there's in the lore, it's like that's kind of like the whole thing that sparked the whole Damocles situation, which was them going to planets and being like, "Hey, look at look at all this stuff." Like, oh man, your your Imperium doesn't really treat you too well. Uh, in the Tau Empire, we're all equal. I mean, they're not because they have a caste system, and there's uh, you know there is some grim darkness to to their lore. But it's that was the kind of interesting thing is in for me as a 
as a player, I could really get into the idea of like, yeah, I could narratively be like, yeah, would you like to surrender? You can surrender. And then uh, before we completely obliterate you with rail cannons. <laughs> well, what's funny about that, and uh, I, again, um, I don't know if, uh, when exactly to bring this up, so I think this is, feels appropriate. So when the, when the Tau first came out, it was a lot more, for lack of a better term, unambiguous that they were mm. essentially the Federation from Star Trek. Yeah. They were just like the, the the good guys. And a lot of fans, from my understanding, and I wasn't into it at the time, but I talked to older fans telling me that they were kind of upset about that because, quote-unquote, Warhammer doesn't do good guys, right? Yeah. So then later on, they just released like little bits that didn't change anything, but made it more and more implied that the Ethereals, the Ethereal cast has basically a low level kind of psychic manipulation of all the rest of the casts, thus turning it all into a little bit of an Orwellian nightmare, yeah. thus giving them that little bit of little bit of edge to make them fit in better, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think again, I I came in. Uh, just recently, so I've only heard things through the grapevine as well. But I think you nailed it. That's exactly what it was. It was. I think they came on a little bit, maybe too strong with the the good guy approach. Uh, and they've definitely sprinkled in some grim darkness to the Tau, which is there's some mind control. There's level, or, you know, with the ethereals, like there is some really messed up stuff that happened with uh, the fourth sphere expansion. And that's basically just the Tau's word for crusade, right? So like, hey, yeah. we're going to like get a bunch of ships together. We're all going to like expand the Empire. It's a sphere expansion, right? And uh, the fourth sphere went into, they were, they were testing out. They were like, hey, we think there's this warp thing. Like the, uh, so the uh, skip drive. They, they, they skip like stones over the warp. And I think that, that's how they explained it. It's like the warp skip or something. They yeah. don't enter it. They just kind of skip along the top of it. Exactly. Unfortunately, with the force sphere, they they skipped maybe a little bit too into it, and uh, they disappeared. And there was this big situation where the the fleet was basically lost in the warp. And uh, unfortunately, when you bring uh, members of your empire, like humans and such, that are uh, susceptible to the warp, uh, some bad things happen on the ship. And there's a lot of rumors, like we still don't fully know what's going on, because when they found the Force Sphere, all the auxiliary species were dead. They had been like killed off. And so, and then all the Tau from that one are like these kind of like PTSD Tau. They're like, they don't trust now the auxiliaries because like they saw what they could turn into in the warp. And it's this kind of like black mark. And so what the ethereal cast kind of did was just cover it all up and they discovered chaos and that's another thing too if if you're listening to this and you're like oh i actually was kind of into the idea of a a like really good you know greater good and you don't like the orwellian thing there's something for you too because they left the uh there's a whole story about a guy named commander farsight that um i'm gonna leave to you if you want to talk about that but (laughs) farsight is so the one the other i would say the other really cool thing about the Tau, which I was surprised when I moved into other armies afterwards, was I was just used to having an, oh, well, everyone gets gets a ton of HQ hero characters, right? Because we have a ton. We have, like, a ton of them f- available to us. So I assume that was the norm. And, and Farsight's one of the few characters uh, who is actually really good at melee. So off the bat, I love him. Um, and his whole, sh- his whole kind of thing is he was raised up uh within the Tau. he's this great military leader there's a bunch of books on him that you can read that are really good uh and he went in his own kind of uh expansion and through a series of unfortunate events they lost all of the ethereals in their army and so like you said there's there's just this weird kind of thing with ethereals when they're there all Tau will just kind of automatically glom onto whatever they said but then with the ethereals being gone and then some things happening uh, Farsight's like, well, hold on, this is uh, this is this is starting to smell a little off. And uh, he was one of the first Tau that encountered chaos. It was <laughs> there's this really interesting uh, segment because again, they're they're trying. They are very uh, open to new people joining the Empire. So when they first encountered chaos, there's this kind of hilarious bit of them like trying <laughs> to talk to them, be like, hey, no, sorry, chaos. like we didn't know that you were here. Like this is like. Let's talk about this. And the chaos is just like turning them to stone. And like, you know, I'm like, trying to imagine. I'm trying to imagine like a Tau tr- holding out its hand to shake with a corn berserker. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So Farsight sees this, and he he basically, long story short, creates his own little. Uh, that's called the Farsight Enclave, and he left the Tau Empire. So there are a bunch of like 
um, separatists, more or less. And it's cool because he, what's, what's super sick about him, I think, is he found this crazy sword on this chaos world. Everyone kind of thinks that the sword is actually, uh, has some sort of chaos taint to it. But with the sword, like, this was like hundreds and hundreds of years ago, that Farsight's still alive because the sword, whenever he kills anyone with it, it basically sucks the energy out of whatever he killed and, like, gives it to him, thus extending his life. Chaos. <laughs> it sounds like chaos. Yeah, so now we're learning a little bit more, but he's super cool because, like, his whole enclave is, like, separate, and they're, they're actually, they're even more the good guys because they've kind of removed that um, ethereal... Um, ness to to them, obviously can't run any ethereals yeah. in that army, and they still, as far as I, because I don't know much about, it, I know that they exist, but they still like because we've talked about the greater good, but I'm not sure we conveyed as much that it's not just a an idea, it is like a full core philosophy. Mm-hmm. And even though the far side enclave is a separatist thing, they still believe in the greater good, just not requiring ethereals do it, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like their it's like their version of it now, right? So it's it's very you can see this uh, in a lot of things when it comes to you know contemporary stuff where it's like oh I, your view is just slightly different than mine, but I'm gonna go over here and and be on my own. So they still believe in the greater good, and it's and to the extent where the far side enclave believes the greater good is just well, what is for the greater good. So there are times when the Tau Empire is actually in trouble, where the far side enclave has come back to help out. And then be like, cool, great, This was we needed to do this because this was a bigger threat. Now, peace, we'll see you later. And then they bounce out again because um, he's kind of got this interesting relationship with one of the main heroes of the, the Tao Empire, uh, Shadow Sun. Yeah, I know that it's funny that I've only recently read some stories about like other races that done some some things like that. Like I was telling a friend of mine, there's actually a story where uh, a, a Necron dynasty teamed up with the Blood Ravens to fight off Tyranids, and something about that just sits weird. Yeah, it's not it's not as weird as you know a Tau separatist movement teaming back up with the Tau Empire for a while. But point is, it happens sometimes. It happens, there's just yeah. someone else you got to kill. Yeah, and there what's strange is there's even times too where like the Tau have teamed up with the Imperium for like bigger threats and like that also totally blows my mind yeah and usually um, tyr- tyranids and chaos are like a threat to everyone so they yep kill indiscriminately like oh, okay you know what that guy is just lighting everything on fire instead of just your lawn yeah so <laughs> which i think is my favorite part of the whole circle back to the democles gulf thing was mm-hmm. that the imperium just firebombed it when they couldn't take it back they're like fine we're gonna firebomb the hell out of it how do you like that now xeno built well yeah. what's 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 funny, I like this about the Tau, I'm about to say. At the same time, I can get why someone else would be like, we're going to gloss over that. Uh, but when the Imperium first encountered the Tau, right, it was like a small contingent of the Imperium. And that first contact war went heavily in the Tau's favor. I don't know what it was called. I just know that like the general generality of this happened. And yeah. then the Imperium sent like several fleets, including some space marines. Yeah. And the Tau were like, oh, because the Tau's tech is, like, the best, but they're still very small compared to, well, you know, the Imperium. To be fair, yeah. everyone except the Orcs are small to the Imperium. But So it's like that understanding of, all right, this is a much – we're part of a much bigger galactic community, and we have to walk carefully so that the Imperium doesn't send, like, just a huge force to crush us. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. I think that's the, the – the Tau had been, for the most part – rolling through this upward momentum of success from like each time of sphere they've expanded the empire going and going and going and then they finally encountered the imperium and even then it was like okay this is relatively fine and then space marine showed up and they're like oh my god what what is this and uh yeah and i think the the sheer brutality that the imperium can <laughs> uh to bring to bear on its own planets at times i think is it, it is Definitely shaken the Tau Empire. <laughs> I'm sorry, wait. Floor. One of our Imperium planets is converted to the Tau? Exterminatus. Exterminatus, yeah. They'll just blow it up. It's like, what? It's, cra- so it, it's, it's, a great, it's crazy. Uh, it's a great metaphor for people that don't know 40K looking in on the lore going, wait, what? They do what now? And everyone's like, yeah, that's just business as usual. No, that is not. No. What is wrong with you? So yeah. so I want, I want to take a moment. Um, because this is both something I think is good and bad about the Tau. It's actually, my, for me, my favorite things about them as a race are the things that I think are double-edged like that. Because another thing people point out that they're very different from every other race in 40K for, for one oddly weird reason in that they're very clean-looking. Mm-hmm. They're, 
their tech is the the term I keep hearing thrown around is they look like Gundams. Yeah, because they yeah. use like mech suits, so they kind of don't fit in with everything else, and that's that's a bad side. The good side is if you're really into mechs like that, there's a race for you. <laughs> Yeah, and I I mean obviously I was really into it. I think even their vehicles too to not to go back to the to the Halo well, but there's even some stuff that looks like very that very sleek covenant design where you'd see like wraith tanks that were very smooth and and like the ghost like they literally have uh these vehicles called piranhas which are like these little two-man speeders. Just imagine a ghost from Halo but with a seat for an extra person and of course I painted mine purple to be ghosts. Like uh so yeah. like if if you if you're into this, if you, I think you're right, it is a visual difference that I can understand why people don't like it. But if it is your, it is so different though that that's kind of what drew me into it. That's, that's what I'm saying. Is I, I, like I generally it. I like that they. I think variety is good. Generally mm -hmm. speaking, I just I also do get the idea that it's like yeah, but the Necrons are still very different from the Imperium, but their tech still fits the same kind of aesthetic that the Tau doesn't fit. It's sure. it's, it's kind of like grimy kind of thing. But again, I think it's good because I'm one of those people that's like, all right, pick the army you like and do that. I, I don't care if it's good. I don't care if uh, you know. It just what do you like? play that yeah. and the Tau have a very different like if none of these other armies speak to you for this reason then here's this army and that's really cool but, yeah i, I, I mean, think that's some awesome models though the battle suits yeah. are whole although i think that the the look like in the the, the the reason sorry i rambled a lot there the fact that they look like gundams and that they have a in a lot of the games and stuff they have a an accent i think mm -hmm. is also a reason why a lot of the fans lovingly or not lovingly refer to them as weebs <laughs> it's just the fact that the big core of their army is giant robots and the community is the community we've we've talked about the community well that's why that's why like when i when i say with my friends i'm saying it like i don't i don't actually dislike the tau i i my my buddy evan i just play he plays tau and i was like it's great i love it i so we just make jokes at each other so it's just a you know information yeah, yeah no I, I think i think uh you're 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 hitting a point that is really good to stress which is if you don't like them that's fine and if anything that should make you even more excited to fight them because you should be you should have something that you hate with that much in, within the context of the lore right uh i, mean, I literally that you want to kill right yeah, same I, mean, I literally play an arc with the exact opposite aesthetic. I play orcs, and all their stuff looks yes. like junk. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. That's true. It's true. But I have a, my buddy who plays orcs, and I'm constantly amazed the fact that he can take anything and turn it into something. And I, I love it. Orky. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Continue. <laughs> no, no, no. Just I think you nailed it, right? Where you can definitely have fun with your friends when you're joking about it. I think uh, you know my my friends give me a lot of crap for you know. You know, I get excited. I'm like, for the greater good. And I'm like, you know, getting pumped. Yeah. And then That's they are like, yeah, mean. whatever, you're dumb. And then like, we'll play, right? There is a level, though, which is just bizarre to me because maybe because I joined so recently of like, there is this very anti-Tau mindset. And if that is your stance, that's fine. Just use, harness it in a, in a positive way, you know? Yeah. And the problem with Tau, and I mean, part of it was they were introduced as a faction that's advancing in a faction and a world of stagnation kind of yep. hurt them lore wise but they also spent two editions being just ridiculously broken rules wise to the point they weren't fun to fight yeah so, so are you saying that uh are you saying that's what's gonna happen to the harlequins now because they're busted sorry side note. yeah <laughs> but no one there's so few models and no one plays harlequins so they're kind of off in their own corner tau had a full model line and it was just busted and it wasn't fun to play like, people would see people putting out their tower and we go, oh, you know what? Never mind. I'm just going to go home. Because you would end on turn two because you couldn't hit them. Because they had all the shield drones bouncing up and taking hits or, or jinx saves. Or they had ridiculous weapons that were just blowing your stuff off and you couldn't do anything. And it wasn't fun. And sure. that fun turned to resentment. And they really got hit with the nerf at the beginning of this newest edition. To, I felt almost bad for Tau players. It's like, oh, I, I, I this army's useless. Uh, out of curiosity, Bert, I know that, like, um, for instance, Space Marine are, like, near top tier. Orcs are, like, medium tier. Where where did Tau currently sit? Do you know? Um, I don't know for sure, because obviously it's been a while since we've had any sort of actual rankings, just because everything's kind of been on, on pause. Oh, yeah, I just wanted your personal feelings on it. 
Um, I think they can be really good. Um, I think that they're probably a mid, depending on 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 an average. The biggest problem for Tau is gonna be point comparison to armies. Just I think they are overpriced uh, for what you get. Uh, so yeah. if you're building out a team where it's like I'll I'll be like cool, we're playing like two thousand points, and I'll put that out, and I'll see what I'm getting compared to what the, an opponent's getting, and it just seems a little off. It always just seems like I'm I'm paying too much for stuff, uh, and that's just frustrating. But you know, and some of the cooler models, like again, it comes down to variety, right? So you can well, actually, that that brings us uh, into what I want to do the next part because we we spent we spent a lot of time talking about like some lore background. I mean, there's plenty more. Yeah, like, there's a lot. Each of, those, each of those expansions is like a whole set of its own episode essentially. But we we touched on light things. So at this point, I'd like to go into uh, like let's say. I don't know anything, and you're standing in front of me, and you're going to show me models. Like, hey, mm-hmm. look at this. What are the kind of units that uh, that Tao have that you might be showcasing? Sure, sure. I guess let me, in this hypothetical, right, let me ask you yeah. a question then. What do you normally, what kind of, like, things normally draw you when you're playing games like this? Whether it's in, say, like an RTS or any table. Well, uh, uh, let's say just... This is not my actual answer, but to sure. facilitate this hypothetical, let's say it's someone who who likes uh, uh, battle mechs uh, or uh, mech warrior things like that. Um, Great, ro- Robotech maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then you've definitely come to the right place. Uh, I'm trying to facilitate this conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, no worries. I just again, it goes back to one of the previous things that I think there is actually a huge variety, right, uh, of different things. But let's go with the with the 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 biggest appeal which is big robots right and you have a, a wide variety but of course you have your riptides which are these giant mechs they're almost uh, they're very crucial for a lot of people's armies they're just they can put out insane amount of fire they have these these cool are, are those the ones that look like they have artillery cannons on their shoulders those are the storm surges and those are actually super cool too they don't get as much play because uh they're not as mobile and you're going for like the price variant. You might as well just get bring in two Riptides. The Riptides are more like these, just like large Gundams. Just that, that's what they are. Okay. Um, but they have crazy big guns. They have all a bunch of different option types. And then you have smaller suits, which are like the Crisis suits, which or each uh, battle suit for the Tau is like one person inside it, for the most part. So they have like the big one, which is imagine uh, what what was um. The kaiju from, or not kaiju, uh, the Jaegers from... Um, Jaegers, yeah. Uh, Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim. Like, they're not that big, but it's like, okay, cool. It's like a... They're chunky models, which is, again, kind of the visual appeal of Tau, mm-hmm. is you've got some of the biggest models in the game. Yeah. And, and I like chunky fast. models. <laughs> There's, gosh, they're, the models are super crazy. Like, you can just zip across the board. Um, you got crisis suits, which are smaller. They are... I think one of the cooler looking models because they're more compact, they're a little bit bulkier, but the loadouts that you can put on them is very customizable. So you can literally build crisis suits that are really focused on long range, but you can also build crisis suits that are all about getting up in people's grills. Uh, the problem is they're just super overpriced. Yeah, so that's how, how about... a bit of a nerf hangover from the last, from this opening edition. Those are like our, our big vehicles. So what what about what's our uh, what's our bread and butter? What's our equivalent right. of a imp guard, a yeah. guard or a boy? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're gonna go with fire warriors. Fire warriors are the bread and butter of the infantry. They got awesome pulse rifles that have they're just they look like like giant long, like long carbines, and uh, they're gonna move in fire teams if you team them up with I think they're called uh, fire cadres. You're able yeah, with a uh, small amount of guys to put out an insane amount of shots. Uh, so you just need to build a couple squads of those guys with uh, a cadre, as well as uh, you got to, of course, have your... Whether or not we can sit and argue whether or not Kroot are actually good on the on the battlefield, I tend to just <laughs> field them because they're so cool-looking. Like you said, they're lizard bird guys with like slug guns and knives. Right there, quick, quick side note. As far as I'm concerned, rule of cool supersedes it's all. Unless you're cool. unless you're going into a tournament with money on the line, yeah. play whatever models you like. Yeah, and the crude are cool because they're basically just it's something ridiculous where uh, you get like ten of them. The end of their guns. Still. Yeah, they got yeah, yeah, and they and they and they eat people. That's the best part is you can, like <laughs> literally just be like, no, no, they're sitting here eating your squad. Um. They are just 
going to be your people that you use as screeners where you can get a, you know, 20, a, a, a squad of 20 of them, throw them in the front line to absorb kind of like the, the shock of the enemy, use them as uh, defensive abilities for like protecting, make sure no one deep strikes on you. They're just cool models. Uh, and then, of course, you have... I, I, I think this is probably the one of the better Tau units that doesn't... It suffers from not being able to take some of the cool things of the Tau, but I think it's offset with like their giant guns, which is the... Um, the uh, tanks that we can bring in, which are I know I know in Dawn of War, our tanks are terrifying. So <laughs> yeah, well, it's like a it's a giant. It's just think like a, a wraith tank from Halo, except instead of it shooting like a lob, it's a giant cannon on top that shoots a rail cannon. The rail cannons are just basically a solid piece of I think like tungsten rod that's just like launched through across the battlefield at incredibly high speed. So it actually just, like, punches through something, and then, like, that pressure then, like, sucks all of the organic material, like, out of that hole, right? And uh, these tanks Kind of are... like a Gostek. They're kind of like Gostek. Yes! Yes, exactly. It's exactly like that. So imagine, like, yes, or a, if I'm gonna, I'm gonna just go back to the Halo well. Imagine a Wraith tank with a Goss cannon on it, and that has that's one of my favorite units. And they look cool to me. They're just a very sleek design. That, like that's that's a key word. Like, keep that in mind. Sleek. sleek. Everything looks. It's funny. Every well, all the main tower things look sleek. The the crew are not sleek, and I think that's kind of the point. But <laughs> it's kind of uh, what about? Um, I don't know anything about this unit other than I've seen it in the RTS game. The the one that looks like a gorilla with something riding it. Uh, Crutox. Oh Crutox? yeah. Is that okay. Crutox or is that something else? I think that is what. So the Crutox is. There's two, and I'm, I'm, one of them is a Forge World unit, which I don't have. The other one is. I think the the Crutox is like the giant. Well, I have my book right here. The Crutox, I think, is the giant T Rex. It's like no, literally that's, that's a T Rex. The, that's, that's the greater Narlac. I know that because that, that is correct. Awesome. So then, yeah, the Crutox is like the big gorilla looking thing that you can have like a guy on the back with a with a turret um, by the way yes, you did hear correctly they have a unit that's just a big t-rex so. yeah, it's super cool uh, i've yet to pick one up yeah they're they're the crew have some variety amongst them which is great especially if you're playing kill team like if you uh if you're into not if you don't want to go into the full 40k and you want to experiment with kill team because it's smaller and thus Cough, cough, less of an expensive route. Cough, cough. <laughs> uh, the crew are their own um, thing now in Kill Team, which is great. Because the crew can actually, they're mercenaries. So even though that they, they work for the Tau Empire, you can actually see them doing, they, they hire themselves out all across wherever they can. So you can actually have an entire crew team of just mercenaries if you want to roll with that, with your own little kind of mercenary headcanon, which is great. Games Workshop, we need that crew codex supplement. Oh. All right, just just for uh, just for since we're talking about models, right? Let's say uh, how how did you like what models did you start with? Like how would you if someone was at this point listening to you and like yeah, I'm interested in in getting into Tau. Let's say that I'm interested in getting into Kill Team. Sure. Uh, like what should I should I just be getting like a box of like ten Fire Warriors? Or what what do you think? What are you thinking? How how would you recommend someone start? What are they looking at? Yeah. Um, so the starter set is really good because it comes with, of course, a bunch of fire warriors. The problem is it comes with the crisis suits, which look really cool, but they are, again, just really expensive. So if you're going with the rule of cool, there that's a good set because it comes with some crisis suits, fire warriors. But really what you want to do is uh, figure out which one of the big models you want to take to invest in you want to get either riptide uh maybe a couple hammerheads they have the ghost keel which is a like a smaller uh it's slightly larger than the crisis suits but it's smaller than the riptide and it's super cool because it's basically stealth and again i'm going to go there because it's now at this point tried and true it's like the elites in halo where they can cloak themselves but it's a giant freaking mech or well, remember so, i said minutes ago the more you read into tau the more the covenant <laughs> connection yeah even their symbol is very similar to the covenant symbol in halo which is uh a little interesting well games workshop has been known to uh reference things in the past yeah cough cough, alien (laughs) (laughs) reference yeah yeah homage to um but sorry to answer your question what you're probably going to do is figure out uh 
which which big mech you want. Get uh, a couple squads of fire warriors with the cadre because the cadre gives them this aura boost that is unfreaking believable. Uh, whatever mech you build will normally come with some drones, um, and then figure out which of the heroes you like the best because the heroes are really going to dictate some of your strategies. You have Farsight, so Farsight's got the cool sword. You have Shadows. Take a moment then, because I, I sorry, I just feel like this is a yeah. really good, a really good moment. Uh, tell us, we talked about Farsight. Tell us, uh, like a couple stories of some of the other heroes, like just so we know, like, because I'm the kind of person, right, that I, I, I spend hours on on lore wiki, and I, yeah. I can find. But if we're again, if we're trying to just get someone, like, hey, here are some heroes. Here's the basic idea of their story. You want the details? You can go look them up. But like, what, besides Farsight, what else? What else? Because Farsight's the only one I know. It was the sure. only one I know by name. Sure. So. Commander Shadow Sun is probably up there with Farsight in kind of the most notable. Um, she, yes, it's a female Tau, is uh, she was very much uh, partnered with Farsight in regards to they're both students of the same kind of master, uh, but there are two different kind of battle mentalities within the Tau. There's the Monk Ka, which is like the killing blow. It's like, hey, you you speed and overwhelming firepower to like take out your enemy. You wait for the right moment. And then there's the, I think it's pronounced Kuyan, which is like the silent hunter. And that's Shadow Sun's thing. She is in a stealth suit, which is, uh, which means that she is cloaked. So on the, on the tabletop, it's cool because, you know, it's gonna be harder to hit her. But like from a model standpoint, I've seen a lot of cool stuff where people literally paint these cool cloaked, uh, like mid transition models, where it basically yeah. takes the imagery from around them. And it's like, oh, cool, if I'm next to sand, my thing starts to look sand, right? And uh, she got her name, I believe, fighting orcs, because a lot. I think everyone in 40k fights orcs <laughs> at some Eventually. point. Yep. <laughs> uh, and she is like the poster child. After Farsight went rogue and did his own thing, the Ethereals were like, "Great, Shadow Sun, Shadow Sun. She's she's uh, the champion of the Tau." Um, but again, because Tau only live to be uh, like something like 60 years old. To kind of get the longevity they need out of her, they just put her into cryo freezing and pull her out whenever they need to. But her cool thing is she's like this cloaked um, commander. She's didn't, super didn't smart. They, sorry, didn't they? Because um, yeah. you mentioned that she's also a student of Farsight's com- uh, teacher. I, I know because I read Farsight's story that Farsight's teacher had numerous students, and didn't they put all of them like in cryo freeze to bring them out? Whatever. They're... Yeah, they put them all. I think it's his. The the master was pure tied. So when he died, what they did was, like I said, they kind of mapped his brain. So they created like this AI system, which is like cool, pure tides, teachings. And that's sent to like all the different military camps. So like everyone is at least getting like, you know, the, the Sun Tzu teaching. Uh, but yeah, they put everyone into freezing and then they like defrost them whenever they need them. But they defrost Shadow Sun a lot because she is the super uh, patient hunter commander. She's all about like setting the board up perfectly and then doing like this one move that like sets everything in action. She's got these cool, awesome like fusion blasters. So there's like crazy stories where she's just like taking out entire like tank columns. She's going after like big, big uh, opponents and she's just a small towel in a suit, but she's cloaked and she's got firepower to like take it down. Um, So she's super cool. She's the more traditional Tau Empire versus Farsight, which is like the Enclave. Um, yeah, how, how did she react to to Farsight? If they're both students of the same person, I imagine Farsight's uh, separatist thing didn't sit too well with her. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the cool part of the lore is because when that happened, they like again the Ethereals kind of cover up all their mistakes. So they like tore down all the statues of Farsight, and they're like, yeah, they pushed out of something. She was pissed. She was upset because you know she took it as a slight to uh, to that to the Empire. And there was like a lot of like building up. Like she was gonna go have to like go hunt him down. And it got to the point where I think even she is starting to see some of the cracks in the Ethereals. And there's these cool stories where like when I said that Shadow Sun, I'm sorry, Farsight showed up and helped out um, the Tau Empire. He came and helped out Shadow Sun. So there's this whole kind of like back and forth where it's almost kind of like, ah, I need to come after you. I'm supposed to come after you, but I kind of like give you the warning that I'm going to come there so like you can like get out. So it's this really interesting cat and mouse uh, story between the two of them because they they she's obviously upset at him for what he's done. But deep down, she also, you know, still 
treats him as the the honorable warrior that he is. So there's a really interesting dynamic between the two of them, uh, which is, I I find really interesting. So I'm curious, what do you play? Are you uh, Shadow Sun or what's what's your army? Are you a little bit of everything? I'm a little bit of everything. I'm a completionist, so I feel like I have to like collect everything, uh, which is terrible in a game like this. No, I understand. Uh, <laughs> I'm building a Space Marine chapter to codex strength. So, oh hey, my gosh. Ter- terrible is a, is a matter of perspective. It is awesome from a hey, check out this room standpoint. It's terrible from a hey, look at my bank account stuff. <laughs> exactly. Games Workshop cares not from whence the cash flows, only that it flows. Yes, it must flow. Um, I just started recently experimenting with Farsight. Uh, it's a different, it's a different Tau playstyle because it's very aggressive. They're, all of their bonuses are actually about getting up close and personal with people. It's really weird for the Tau. <laughs> it's very weird. So it's interesting because, like you said, variety is the spice of life. So I'm trying to change that up. But um, I normally play traditional, just like cool. Here's the Tau Empire. Here's Shadow Sun. Here is Long Strike. Long Strike is like their their tank ace. I can't remember what the the name is of the Imperium equivalent, but he is like the guy who, uh, for the Tau, gets inside a tank and just murders entire columns of Lehman Russes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's fun. It's fun to as as annoying as I'm sure it is to be on the receiving end. It's fun to be able to. Um, you know, it's, it's a shoot. I, I came into this game as a shooting game. So my whole thing was like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit here and blast you. That's the whole point. We just sit here and exchange blows. Uh, and I, I, go I ahead. Say, out, of curi- out of curiosity, cause I've heard, I've heard that I haven't, I, I've only played Tau once. I guess, well, we'll I'm going to go more in detail in that in a second, but, um, for orcs tower, especially really hard because we sure. want to get in, in the melee. Uh, but what are, what are the matchups for you playing against other people that you, you enjoy the most or that are the most difficult for you? Out of curiosity, talking to a tower player. <laughs> uh, my buddy play, and I think this is going to be universal for a lot of people. My buddy plays death guard. Um, so I played oh, a lot of death, death guard. guard, dude, right? Fuck death guard. <laughs> So Does he have Mortarian? Because yes, <laughs> Mortarian. Yeah, that'll do. I have... Every every Death Guard player has Mortarian, just like every Ultramarine player has Gilliman. When your Primarch comes out, you get him. That's fair. Oh, uh, it doesn't matter how much uh, firepower you maybe put into something. If you only end up at, if the if the net result is a couple of wounds, it's, it's oh just disgusting resilience roll. Yep. God damn it! No, it's such a trigger. It's such a trigger for me. Um, so Death Guard's tough. Obviously, it's my same buddy also played Thousand Sons, um, which was oh, no. <laughs> also very tough because it's an entire Psyker army versus no Psykers. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna lose that game. <laughs> you're gonna lose that game. That is an unfair matchup. That, yeah. that that's no that's no bueno. Uh, I think some of the most fun I have is obviously playing Imperial Guard because it's very similar. Uh, similarities, but then slightly different. Where it's like, great, it's your massive uh, infantry guard, our imperial guard versus my fire warriors. You have your tanks, I have my tanks, and it turns into a very much like a chess game of who's maneuvering what where. So that's a lot of fun. Um, I had those games go either either way, which is which is great. I like playing orc players from the standpoint of I feel like my stuff is working from the standpoint of uh, I'm shooting <laughs> massive amounts of things and they're dying. At the same yep. point, at begin, you do not have a counter to psychers. It doesn't matter what my gun line is doing when a bunch of boys just drops right behind me and then just <laughs> What's the that? I love the picture someone sent me this a uh, couple weeks ago. Uh, of, uh, it was from a Casino Royale's Tau, Mr. Bond. I cast a jump and put my boys behind your firing line. Your move, Mr. Bond. Wow. Yes. <laughs> That's the perfect. single greatest yeah. improvement to orcs this edition was giving them the ability to just transport 30 boys anywhere they wanted. Yep. Yep. Yeah. The jump is the best psychic ability they have. <laughs> it, anyway. it, it is great. No, yeah. And so I, I look, I, I have a lot of fun playing a lot of different people, but I definitely think you're going to go. The hardest thing to fight is going to be psychers and then things that are going to be able to shrug off the amount of wounds that you put. Uh, you're going to have the most fun murdering lots of things. If, uh, Tyranids, I've only played Tyranids surprisingly once, and that was actually really tough. Necrons are going to be tough, too, because they're going to keep coming back. Quantum you... shielding. Yep. All right, well, 
So we've, we've been talking for uh, for almost an hour here. Yeah. And we could go on for you know forever, but I think uh, before yeah. we get into our next our next section, which is a whole other thing, uh, do you have any like finishing thoughts for anyone listening to this who is uh, who's only just now learning with the Tao, or who maybe is a Tao player and likes hearing about it? Just whatever your concluding thoughts are. Sure. Yeah. 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 Concluding thoughts. If this uh, interests you, there's a lot of great Tao books out there. So uh, if you are on the fence and you're wondering, like, mm, I don't know, read some of the books. There's some really great stuff to just get into the lore. And that, to me, is what I really get into is the lore. So the fact that, like, you have material to kind of uh, quench that thirst till no more is there. So I think that's great. Um, also, drones and crute. That's all I have to say is you have crude, which are going to eat, which are giant uh, lizard uh, birds, and drones are your best friends. They are super annoying for the opponent, but you get little uh, robots. And I didn't mention this before, but the little robots have like a little mini AI. So like in some of the stories, you have people who are like talking to their drones, um, which is, I, I don't know, I get really into that. It's like little mini R2-D2s that can jump in front of missiles. <laughs> no, man, those those drones, I, the, in the game I play, I played a game on uh, on Monday, and it was a four a kill team of four players, and I was orcs, there was a Tau player, there's a, a Thousand Suns player, and an Adeptus Mechanicus player. And the second that me and the Adeptus Mechanicus player walked into the center of the map, two Tau turrets shot missiles at us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And buy those units. So. Yep. Yep. What were you doing in the middle of the map? That's that place to be. It, hey, I was an I was orcs, and the main objective was in the middle. Oh, okay. that, that's fair. That's fair. That makes sense. It's like typically I stay out of the middle of the battle. Plus, plus, because we had a a surprise, well, surprise, quote unquote, extra player. We had them take the Belisarius call unit and be a boss character that happened to spawn on my side of the map. So, I was trying ah. to. Get a- that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can get that. Anyway, so uh, at at this point um, is usually where we give you Bert the uh, uh, the the soapbox or whatever you want to oh, call nice. it, where you can yeah. plug whatever it is you want to plug. Sure. Yeah, uh, I'll just plug this then. Uh, I do a Mass Effect RPG. So if you uh, are familiar with any sort of show where you listen to people sitting around playing RPGs, uh, that's what we do. It's called Mass Effect Advantum. Uh, we're approaching our second season um you can check it out on pretty much any of the different podcast places where you can listen to your other podcasts uh it's a lot of fun i i rgm the game with a highly talented group of and this is a weird thing to say but professional rpgers Uh, they they blow me away constantly with the amount of um in character ness that they bring to every session and uh, i think i'm allowed to say this i hopefully am allowed to say this uh we i think we announced who our special guest was for season two which is mark Mir, who is the actual voice of commander shepherd in the mass effect <laughs> sorry mass effects mass effects like my it is my favorite video game franchise so i'm cool. now I'm, I'm gonna go watch this so yeah Perfect. So you can check that out. You can check that out. Uh, you can take a listen to anywhere you get your other podcasts. It's Mass Effect Advantum. And uh, yeah, that's the only thing I really want to plug. All right. Well, then at this point, uh, we go into something we call Suggestions of the Week, where we suggest something that whatever, something we've been into that we want to suggest to other people that are listening. And I'm going to kick us off because it's extremely related. We've already talked about it several times, which is Kill Team. I've only become recently aware of this. For anyone who's been following us for a while and you've heard the stories about, you know, all these lots of models and the price has been a scare point, then Kill Team is something you should look into because apparently it's it's actually pretty new. It's only like, what, 2018 proper? Yeah, but Yeah, but Kill Team is a format where – so in a normal – normal Warhammer 40k game you would have 2,000 points worth of models if you don't know the game rules that doesn't mean anything to you but just keep in mind that (laughs) what you're probably imagining is the number 2,000 kill team is between 1 and 200 just depending on on rules so example when I played on Monday I played with 10 models which is actually pretty short for orcs because I didn't know quite what I was doing but point is you're looking at 5 to 15 models uh, that's about it. So it's yeah. very, it's very cost non-prohibitive. There are tons of starter sets that you can find online. I recently just ordered uh, two Finders crew 
which is a Flash Gits pirate orcs. It's just five models, but they are a full kill team on their own. That's so, awesome. yeah. So if you're interested in in getting started in this Warhammer thing, if you followed us for a while, if any, then look into Kill Team. That is that is like the good entry point for actually playing the tabletop. Agreed. Yeah, no, Kill Team is a lot of fun. I played a bit of Kill Team. Unfortunately, I never got into it because I the scale was too small. I, I want big games. I want to run an apocalypse I mean, game I, someday. Yes, <laughs> I want to. I want to eventually get to big games. But when I'm, you know, trying not to buy thousands of dollars worth of models off the bat, I spent. I instead spent sixty dollars on five models, and I can play. That's... Yeah, no, Kill Team is great for getting into it. Don't get me wrong. It is, and it's. It's been weird to watch it evolve from other games like the last couple editions into what it is now, which it's so streamlined from where it started. Yeah. Anyway, Ulrich, what do you have to suggest for us? I have a show that I, I have been going over how to talk about this and make it sound good, but it is a show called Never Have I Ever. It's on Netflix right now, and it's produced by Mindy Kaling, which that could go either way depending on your opinion of her. But it, on its surface, it is kind of another teen comedy TV show, but it's really good. The setup is, is it follows this main character whose father died tragically like nine months before and caused psychosomatic paralysis and her whole attempt to like rebuild her life. She's going to, you know, get past it. She's going to be popular and she's going to have sex with a boy. And it is incredibly well written. It's incredibly well funny. It's kind of like Booksmart. If you like Booksmart, you're going to like this in that, yes, it's focused on teens and the whole teenage drama, but it's written like teens actually are. There's none of this whole, should we call it shininess that you kind of get? Hey and man, I'm like the end of the fucking world, and I'm not okay with this, and I felt that way about those, so. Yes, it's exactly in that wheelhouse. They feel like real teens. There's a lot of great relatability to it. That's got a really good cast of no names. Like, they raided Bollywood for some of the biggest, you know, Bollywood stars, which. Here in America, it's like, I have no idea who you are, but you're incredible. But I'm sure the people that follow Bob are like, oh my God, it's you and you and you. It is hilarious. It's incredibly well written. It's got some real good snappy humor to it. And I just, I, I really liked it. And I'm, I almost didn't watch it because I saw like, I don't know if this is for me as an older adult male. Sure. But it's got John McEnroe narrating. John McEnroe is the narrator, complete with the John McEnroeisms. You said this is on Netflix? Yes. Right. It's a really, it's a really good show. I've just been trying to figure out how to talk about. It. No, no, it's not what you think it is. Well, uh, uh, Bert, do you have a suggestion for us? Uh, I do. I'm assuming this has probably been suggested before, but if not, uh, I'm a big fan of the Total War uh, video games. Ooh. And if the things that you're hearing sound cool, and you want something to be in the same vein, but maybe a little bit different, because maybe you don't like sci-fi, maybe you like fantasy, then you should definitely go. Check out the Warhammer Total War video games. They have one and two, and uh, it's kind of the same, a lot of the same uh, species. You have orcs and humans and all these different stuff, but it's set in a fancy universe. You get to have your big, crazy battles. You're seeing all this destruction, uh, but it's a video game, so you, can, you don't have to worry about necessarily buying and painting a bunch of models. And uh, they have a really cool mechanic that if you uh, own both the games, uh, you can play the giant campaign map uh, of all the different factions in one giant uh, world. And they're coming out with a third one, hopefully in the next year or two. So that will be basically the entire giant world of uh, the old Warhammer Fantasy universe on one giant playable map. And I am so excited for that. Oh, I am too. Also, also Total War has a race called the Skaven that if you've never heard of, you should look them up because they're amazing humanoid plague rats. Yes. <laughs> we we yes. got to do, we got to get some for, uh, some fantasy content on this podcast. I don't know well, how yet, but there, there's a lot, there's too much good fantasy content to miss out on. By the way, that uh, when I mentioned that game I played on Monday with the Adeptus Mechanicus player, he kit bashes uh, combining his Skaven models with his uh, Adeptus Mechanicus models to create That's like so cool. It's, that it's makes really a lot cool. Of sense. <laughs> the very first army that I that I ever bought when I was in high school was Bretonia. So oh, no. I, uh, <laughs> I I have I have the unfortunately for the uh, for anyone who doesn't know, it's an army that's uh, shelved. They don't make units for it anymore. But uh it, it was a lot of fun um painting little knights and archers. So they're like the one army that didn't get ported over in the mm-hmm. age of mm-hmm. Very sad. <laughs> All right. Also, Total War. Uh, you got also to anyone listening. I've only, I've never played it. I've watched it played, and it is. 
massive in scope. Like yeah. just looking at all the units. That's why I mentioned Skaven because the person who showed me was playing Skaven and just was watching like hundreds of green beams shooting out. Is Skaven yeah, are insane satisfying. in that game. Yeah, they, they have are. nukes. They they have nukes, folks. I mean, I, I feel like that should push you over the edge. They're rat men with nuclear weapons. <laughs> In a fantasy universe. Yeah, yeah and, and yeah. I'm not exaggerating. That is literally yeah. what it is and what yep. it does. Yep, it's true. That's how the universe ended. They nuked the moon. <laughs> Jeez. All right, well, yeah. uh, well, before we go into our outro, uh, I just want to say thanks again, Bert, for coming on and talking to us. Thank you so much for having me. This was an absolute blast. Yeah, and... Uh, exactly. You ever want to come back on and talk more Warhammer or anything else, whatever, you know, you're free to come back. <laughs> 100%. You guys uh, really made this uh, an awesome experience. Thank you. You made it an awesome experience. <laughs> all right, Ulrich. Yeah, we want to thank you all for listening. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, do all that stuff, especially the liking and the sharing, because unfortunately, numbers are down, and the only way to get those numbers up is for you, our loyal listeners, to like, share, talk about this with your friends, because that is literally the life and death of podcasts like ours. And we're on a ton of different platforms, so... You know, whichever one that you want us to be on, we're probably on it. But if we're not, tell us what that one is and we'll look into it. As of right now, the list I have in front of me says SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Pocket Cast, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. As always, this has been Lord Commander Ulrich. And his shield brother, Axel Wright. Be sure to tune in next time. And as always, stay honorable.